Welcome to Keep Calm and Cook On. I'm your host, Julia Tertian. Each episode of Keep Calm and Cook On features a meaningful interview and answers to listeners' questions about cooking. Thank you to OXO for making this episode possible. OXO makes many of the kitchen tools that I trust the most. To find out more about OXO and their products, head over to OXO.com. That's OXO.com. Vaughn Diaz is a Puerto Rican-born, Southern-raised writer and radio producer based in New York City. She's a self-taught cook who explores Puerto Rican food, culture, and identity through memoir and multimedia. Coconuts and Collards, her debut cookbook, was one of my most favorite that came out in 2018. It was so cool to see it get support from outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Bon Appetit. Vaughn has worked as a reporter for so many big places like NPR, StoryCorps, The Splendid Table, American Public Media, WNYC, the Southern Foodways Alliance. Wherever there are good stories, you're going to find Vaughn. In addition to wonderful recipes, Coconuts and Collards includes vivid stories about Vaughn's childhood, her mother, her grandmother, and even a hard breakup. Vaughn wrote about these personal relationships and memories with incredible honesty that really moved me and so many other readers, too. When I asked Vaughn if I could interrupt the vacation she was on with her mother to talk to them together about the book, they both welcomed me in. They fed me warm baklava, and they spoke with such kindness and respect for each other. It was so beautiful to hear, and I'm so glad that having a tape recorder means that you can listen to them, too. Today's show is all about writing down history and talking about it and being honest about it, and how doing both those things together can cement and advance relationships. I hope you enjoy this conversation between Vaughn, her mother Yvonne, and me. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Will you tell me who you are? Hi, I'm Vaughn <laughs> Diaz, and and I'm me. Uh, I'm a cook, I'm a writer, and a storyteller. I'm Yvonne Webb, and I'm Vaughn's mom. Um, so Vaughn, your first cookbook, first book. Yes. Coconuts and Collards. When did it come out? It came out in March of this year, 2018. Yeah. So it's been a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it is hands down one of my favorite books I've come across oh, in a while. You. I'm not just saying that because I know you. Um, <laughs> I just think it's amazing. And I'm wondering for anyone who hasn't picked it up yet, hasn't read it, experienced it, how would you describe it? In many ways, it documents my journey um, going back and forth from Puerto Rico, where I was born, to the South, where I grew up, and um, kind of charting the way that food was a way for me to better understand both of the cultures that I lived in and among, um, and um, importantly, a way for me to remain connected to both of those places. Um, and one of the the pieces that sort of came out kind of in conjunction with the book that I was most struck by was an interview that you did with your mom. That's right. Sitting next to you yeah. in Whetstone Magazine, which is run by a, a mutual friend and colleague, Stephen Satterfield. Um, and I'm so grateful that you two were game to sort of continue that conversation yeah. that you started there. Um, and the book is so personal. Um, I mean, it's very much kind of memoir slash cookbook. Would you say that's Absolutely, accurate? Yeah. yeah. And one of the things you said in that um, piece in Whetstone was that you worked with your mom to fill in the gaps between fractured memories, um, which was such a beautiful phrase. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe both of you could reflect on how you did that just logistically. What was the process of filling in the gaps? 
Sure. So I'll tell you what I remember, and then you can tell me what you remember, Mom. <laughs> sure. Um, Let's see if these are the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I mean, I will say that um, my um, mom and I have, I would say, Mom, we have a, a, new, a maybe not unusually close, but a very close relationship. We, we talk. Have, yeah. We talk almost every day in some capacity, whether it be a text message or an email or a phone Mm -hmm. call. And we've been that close for some time. Um, And for me, um, I am a, a, I'm a storyteller. Um, I'm an oral historian. um, And I started my career in public radio. And for me, one of the most um, important aspects of of storytelling in that way of getting to kind of the, the truth of what somebody is living is to um, to talk with folks a lot and ask a lot of questions and sit and listen and and see what comes up and so when I started the process of writing my own story you know because I'm actually young to be writing a memoir um, I knew that I was mom was gonna have to be mom I knew you were gonna have to be a really integral part of the process Mm -hmm. because you lived in Puerto Rico uh, much longer than I, I mean, infinitely longer than I lived Mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. And um, I was also very young um, in a lot of my early memories. So there were some things that I needed to, um, to, to figure out some things that I actually didn't remember accurately or fully. So, I mean, my memory is that I started to call you um, or text you or email you every time I had a random question. Like I might ask, mom, was Tata's, um, Tata's my grandmother, um, was Tata's floor made of of stone or was it tile? You know, and mom would be like, it was tile. I'd be like, okay, that's what I remember. And when and the plants that she had um, on the marquesina or the patio of her house, were they spider plants or were they these kinds of plants? And mom would be like, yeah, they were spider plants. So mm-hmm. that was sort of how we began to um, my memory of how we began to kind of figure out the details. Correct. Yeah. What do you remember? Well, it was it was actually very interesting when Bonbon started with the book. Um, that nickname came from my brother, mm-hmm. and I don't know why he. And I thought it's so cute. It just stuck. Yes, because when I was young, very young, I was kind of chunky. They used to call me Bon. Que parece un bonbon. Like that means I look you look like, like a, a candy. You look like I look a like, candy. I look like a candy and bombies. Yes, we both look like candy. Like a bonbon. So I guess. Sweet. You look sweet. I know. Yes, sweet. <laughs> sweet and round. Yeah, we're kind of round. I was in the same club. <laughs> so um, I thought it was such a, it's so many things to say about Bond. But at this point with this book in particular, I thought that um, what an amazing uh, work she was doing to bring um, a book that, that will reflect um, my mom's, you know, my mom's life. She was an amazing woman. She was unique for her generation. Um, I could tell you so many things. It will take hours. But in reality is that um, I, I was so glad that Bomb was doing this in memory to my mom. Mm. Um, of which my mom had written a cookbook. She was an amazing, an amazing cook. She was a, a fashion designer. She, mommy had a kennel and she breed boxers for wow. um, dog shows. And and she traveled to the United States to 
dog shows here in the New York in particular. She came a couple of times. And she was so versatile for her generation and for the island itself. And it's such a blessing to me and, and to Bonnet as well uh, in comparison to uh, what she partake to us when we were growing up. The most important thing for her was education. Um, I think she, just like I did, didn't make the best decisions in certain things. And I wonder sometimes if she has uh, chosen another uh, partner, if how far she would have gone mm. with her talents. Mm. So going back to Vaughn's book, I was so happy that Vaughn was actually bringing all these memories back. Um and just highlighting how amazing my mother was. Um, well, and mom, I feel like what's interesting is that I feel like the book ended up being about how amazing you are. Oh. And I mean, yes, of course, it's so much about, about my grandmother, Tata, and what she meant to me. But it felt to me by the time I was done writing the stories and working on the recipes it felt like it was about the three of us, you know, not just true, about her. True. Which I which I'm grateful well, for. And I also wonder if she wrote her cookbook through me. She mm. could have been, I believe, on that. Mm. Yes. <laughs> she was part of it. She oh, was yeah. she's yes, she um I had to tell you, madam, she's she was so, so unique and mom was everybody's friends. Wow. Everybody's friends. And um People just come and not kidding you. There was this couple only we only see it once a year on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was an uncle. <laughs> In quotes. Like In quotes. yes. <laughs> no, they only come for Thanksgiving. Um, every year it was mom take out all her silver and we're shining the silver. It was actually when you think about it, how silly it is, it was like painful. Oh no, here comes the holiday, we're cleaning the silver. And but actually when you think about it nowadays, you're like, how amazing that was. Mm-hmm. You're cleaning the silver for the company. She was an amazing hostess, just like Bombi. Yeah. It's just like Almost like mom reincarnated on Bombi, reincarnated on Bombi. Vaughn, will you share, I realize we didn't talk about the origins of your book, because I feel like it ties so much to your grandmother and sort of establishing this um, this this legacy and, and yes. putting it on paper. Yeah, um, I should say this. Um, I... I'm not a trained chef by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I was a brand new journalist um, This I'm five years ago. I had just started really actually working as a journalist. And I knew I had this sneaking suspicion that I really needed to write about food. I was like, this: you're obsessed with food. You cook all the time. You eat all the time. You read about food. This, you, this, there has to be a path here. Um, and so I thought I would start with the thing I knew the most, which was Puerto Rican food, the way that my grandmother would prepare it. And so I started exploring this cookbook called Cocina Criolla, um, which is you know, like the Puerto Rican joy of cooking. And um, sort of cooking through that book as a way to get to know her and also um, a way to get to know um, my own culture differently through the processes and ingredients that are a part of, of the cuisine. Simultaneously, my grandmother was at the end of her life um, and was um, uh, living with Alzheimer's. And in life, as mom was just describing, 
Um, she was this incredible, incredible chef. And one of the first ways that we really understood that we had lost the person we knew um, as we knew her, right? She was sort of a new person, was that she couldn't cook anything. Wow. Um, she couldn't, I mean, she burned rice, she put cans of soup in the microwave. And um, and so we knew that we had lost that tie, but then I had this book that mm. was hers, that had her handwriting in it, her stains, um, her little markings all throughout that were like, check this out or make this later. And recipes also tucked into it from other publications. So um that was the beginning, and um, and as I was cooking my way through this classic Puerto Rican cookbook, about 60 recipes in, I had to stop almost entirely because the recipes were so heavy, and they were so laborious, and they were so fattening, and I knew that I was never going to cook that way in my own home. Um, so then the project changed. Sure. Then it became about... Um, still understanding sort of the cultural ties, um, but also starting to make things more, um, make things in a way that's more like the way that I actually eat, the way that mom and I actually ate growing up, um, and the way that I like to cook for my loved ones. And so the her book that you were cooking through and you got to know her, now people can hold your book, cook through it get to know you both of you really mm -hmm. I mean it's really it's about three generations yeah. so much and yeah. has that sunk in for you at all that people will that sort of experience you had with your grandmother's book people might have their own version with yours you know I think it's a little early yeah. for for me to really wrap my brain around that um I'll tell you that one of my biggest fears um, you know, publishing a book that has your family history in it is really scary. It's very vulnerable. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, I was really worried that, you know, I was born in Puerto Rico, but I grew up in the South. And so I don't, um, unlike Puerto Ricans that grow up in the New York City area or Chicago or even Philadelphia, where there are large Puerto Rican communities that you can connect to, I had been raised really isolated from my culture. And I was deeply afraid. I don't know if I ever told you this, Mom. Yeah. I was like mm -hmm. deeply afraid that like Puerto Ricans everywhere were going to be like, no, that's not how you mm. make that. That's not Puerto Rican food. Así no se hace. Mi abuela lo hacía así. You know, like <laughs> I was, this is what I was anticipating sure. was this like cry, you know, that I was a phony, that, you know, I didn't know how to make this food and quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the, I think that's been the most moving thing for me outside of what our experience kind of our experience working on this project together um, is that I think, you know, Puerto Ricans are American citizens and have been for a very long time, but yet are kept at a distance and don't, you know, I think don't feel part of this mm -hmm. culture. So it's been really meaningful to me to see, um, to get this reaction from from folks that they, they do feel connected and that they see themselves. Um, and I've gotten personal notes from women like me, um, you know, kind of of my generation who were also raised in different places saying just that. And, you know, it's like that, you can't make that stuff up. That's like, the power of cookbooks. Yeah. It's that visibility mm -hmm. and connection. It's huge. It's huge. How do you feel, Yvonne, when you hold the book? How does it feel? Uh, there's so many emotions. Yeah. I just, I remember, yeah, let me don't cry. <laughs> but I remember when um, Bon Bon gave me the, the script. It, we were in Utah for oh, a yeah, wedding, tell, didn't tell we? her. Yeah, tell Julia the story of when I gave you the, um, I gave you the printed manuscript of the entire yeah. book. The day, the weekend before 
I was going to send it to the publisher. Mm-hmm. It was it was a little bit overwhelming. It was so especially our story, you know, because true, Bomba started cooking, you know, helping out. I, I left her. As a parent, do you feel a little bad? Because, oh, my God, what I did. Uh, not on purpose, you know, but I just pretty much left her in charge of a house. You're, you're the, talking about when... When I was little and you were working multiple yes. jobs and yeah. I had to take care of Christina and I and uh-huh. my sister. They're both, they were such a good kid, especially Me and bon my bon. sister. Yes, yeah. Bombi and Bon and Christina. And, uh, you know, I felt comfortable. Um, there is, they were very mature and, you know, um, I, f- I felt they were. And very, I mean, very, we're both alive and yeah, very healthy. Both- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you seem just, to be doing pretty well. <laughs> doing okay. But, um, you know, it gave me a little bit of sadness, that chapter in particular. gave me a little bit of sadness because you don't want... Um, I, I put a lot of pressure on Vaughn. <laughs> and uh, I, I felt a little bit bad about it. But, but like I said, I said, perhaps if she haven't gone through... I haven't... We haven't gone through this period, perhaps, Bon Bon Von, we had not um, maybe started cooking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, only only time will tell, but I, I do believe so. Um, it's, it, I think a little, I put a little bit of pressure, too much pressure on Bon Bon, and um, that made me feel a little sad because you don't want to put that kind of pressure on your children. You want to teach them a lot of things, but I guess that was a, a teaching moment. Inadvertently. Sure. Yeah, in many ways. But it was, um, all the chapters were amazing. I actually, after I read the, the, the part, your friend and Miss Donna, mm-hmm. I did not realize that, because I knew about it, of course. I used to take her back and forth. I knew Miss Donna very well. Nice so you're people. talking about, I wrote in the second chapter about, my childhood best friend's mom. Yeah, with and the, the significance that she yeah. had on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I didn't all these years. I didn't realize they were that close. That, how, how significant that was to her. No, that was a revelation for mm-hmm. me. They were friends, but I didn't know it was that significant. Especially the grits, because we don't eat grits. Um, we don't eat grits. We don't. I eat now grits. eat grits. A yes, lot. but um, I grew up with something similar to grits in the island. Well, my mom making me and um, is um. Harina de, de trigo, they call it, or? Farina. Farina. And she put milk and cinnamon and sugar. That was delish. <laughs> but that didn't taste like grits. Yeah. My first experience in the United States with these grits, mm-hmm. it was So you didn't unpleasant. know I liked grits so much? <laughs> I, was that also a revelation? No, I knew I you liked like grits. Obsessed with grits. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess what it was, I just didn't know about you and grits. <laughs> <laughs> this, well, uh, now it's the word is out. Everyone knows. Is out. Is out. Well, we go to Thumbsaw. Would you get that grits with mm. the catfish? Mm. And ooh, that was advertising. Mm. But That's anyway, okay. it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So uh, that place is amazing. It's you are the Atlanta. mother of a journalist. You know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. So, yeah, that was, that was. Um, the, all the chapters were amazing. Yeah. Do you remember me telling you, Mom, that when I gave you what I remember about giving you the print, the manuscript, the you know, the final version was that I I left you with it, and I was like, I want you to read this really closely, and if there's anything that makes you uncomfortable, 
I need you to let me know because I, I, mm -hmm. it's your story as much as it's my story. So I can't publish this if it makes you uncomfortable. And then I left. Mm -hmm. I went, I remember I left the, I left the hotel for yeah. a couple hours mm -hmm. yes. and just left you alone with mm -hmm. it and then came back. And we, I remember we laid on the bed and you talked to me about what you were, what it made you think and feel. How did you feel, Vaughn, in those few hours when you left the hotel and the manuscript is in your mom's hands for the first time? Where'd you go? Um, <laughs> Do you remember? You know what? Where did I go? <laughs> it was it was uh, it was that really nice hotel. I think. Yeah. I'm not going to advertise, but you it know, was really nice. Um, I think <laughs> we. You know what's funny is that I was in Utah for we were in Utah for a cousin's wedding, and then mm -hmm. I had a reporting trip. Okay. Right mm -hmm. up against the end of it. And I was meeting a colleague. Um, we were on that reporting trip together. And so I took the opportunity to get dinner with her okay. um, and let mom um, hold on to it. You know, was it on your mind? Were you? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, I had been thinking about it the whole time I had been writing it. You know, um, there were um, moments where, in particular, what really um, was stressful for me is there's a moment that I describe. Um, in, in the chapter, which is what mom, I think what you're referencing, um, where mom, um, you had come home from a long day, you'd probably worked a second job, mm -hmm. left the house at 5am and come home at 10pm. And I was standing there waiting for you, waiting to feed you. Mm -hmm. I was probably was 10 really or 11 sad. years old. Yes. And, um, and it's a really vulnerable moment for you mm -hmm. and, 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 but a powerful moment for me. Mm -hmm. And the, the inequity of that dynamic, I think made me a little nervous because I was like, do you want people to see you in that light? Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like as I was writing the book, I kept trying to be sure that for every point where I was revealing my mother's vulnerability, I revealed the point of my own vulnerability mm. just to keep it balanced because, you know, it's, um, I, I don't know how other people are with their moms or with their parents, but, you know, when we went through a lot together and mm -hmm. we were, you know, it, but it was a, uh, we, t we just took care of each other, you know, and mm -hmm. um, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist and a lot of my reporting is focused around um, oral history work that requires that you listen really closely to what's going on with people and also that you, you know, take a moment to think about whether or not the vulnerable thing you're sharing or revealing about somebody else is really what needs to be in the story. Mm -hmm. Is there something about that that you think is going to be revelatory? Are people going to learn something? Are you exposing a reality that's um, you know under underrepresented, mm -hmm. underreported? And that's my litmus mm -hmm. test for whether sure. or not I share other people's vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and and with mom, I and it's interesting because so many people have written me that that moment was something they experienced. And that was why it felt important to yeah. me to share mm -hmm. those sorts of things. I and mean, it sounds like for both of you so much, the whole process of the book and now it being out, you know, these deeply vulnerable moments also create so much visibility for other people. And I mean, that Absolutely. is such a high Correct. power Correct. and high purpose. And, and it just as you were saying, so many families are dealing with similar things now and to share it in this format, the format of a, of yes. a cookbook, which is, has its own sort of comfort mm -hmm. and familiarity is, it's really powerful. And it's a way of healing too. So many parents For may sure. have gone through the same yeah. thing and they're just like, um, when I read it, I just like, oh my goodness, it's I do remember, but is it was written on Bond's perspective mm. 
And, you know, how many parents may have gone through or are going through those type of situations. And and then at the end of the day, madam, look at Bond now mm-hmm. and look at me now. Mm-hmm. You see, we go through these um, episodes in life that sometimes are against, um, what you call it, like we cannot control. But um, the beauty of it, of it is that the outcome was a good outcome, yeah. was a beautiful outcome, and we have healed from it. And, of course, I have a much better relationship with my daughters now because back in the day, as any other single parent, male or female, you are so, I may have to say, all that are not, so focused on the sustaining your family. Sure. You're under this situation and you're trying to make it happen, and you kind of forget a couple of details or shit. You're making sure there's food in the table. You're making sure they have enough clothing to sustain whatever weather. But um, sometimes we don't spend a whole lot of time talking mm-hmm. with your children. And, and it just, that, that's a little, uh, I think if I could tell you one thing that I'm the most regretful is that I, I was so concerned about sustaining my daughters. And making sure they didn't need anything. They actually, I think I was missing a little bit. And I'm not embarrassed to say so. Because that's the reality of, of what's going on. And um, well, we're making up for lost time now. Man. Yeah, we're yeah. making Yeah, and so it's just <laughs> yeah. kind of like. Uh, but I, I think how a lot of parents feel bad about it. Male or female. Yeah. And and even and even couples that are still married that they're trying always to make it happen wherever they live in the world, that they're so busy that you have created this amazing human being and you're trying to, you know, sustain them and making sure but sometimes we miss as parents take out time just to see how they're doing, especially on this now and age with mm-hmm. so much distraction mm-hmm. in this world. Um so all that to say that yes, I would, I felt I felt a little bit bad, but I think at the end of the day, a whole lot of people could relate to absolutely uh, the childrens and the parents, yeah, and even the grandparents too. Um, but um, did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, and and the sort of the look at you now, <laughs> as you mentioned, yeah. and how close you are. I mean, we're sitting here. You guys are on vacation together. You're letting yeah, yeah. me crash it for a little bit. That's <laughs> no. for which I'm very grateful. No, no. Um, but I, I'd love to know about um, how you. I mean, you have navigated so much together. It sounds like you take time now to kind of reflect on this. Mm-hmm. You've written about it, um, and now. Where where are you now, and how do you maintain your relationship now? I mean, it seems like you definitely do take time to be with each other as you are here, but what is what does your relationship look like now? Oh, it's better well, by do, the day. Do, I mean, I mean, what do we say, do now? Well, Vaughn, I have to tell you, is very good about making sure that um, that she has like when she's really really busy, she makes sure that she, because I. I know Bonnie is really, really busy. So I just retired. So yes. I started a new life in, in a way. So I'm still getting used to my new life. You're very newly retired, right? Yes. Just a couple yes, months. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. It was in March. Yeah. So I moved to a new city. I'm not working. I have to let go. Um, well, and I should say, when you were working, you were 
just as busy as I've ever been. You work yes. a full-time job and you spend your evenings mm -hmm. either volunteering at the local... Nonprofit, um, yes. At the clothing closet mm -hmm. um, at a local nonprofit mm -hmm. and also supporting... Um, actually, mom doesn't get to talk about this very much, but Please, yeah. um, mom, you started um, a very small nonprofit of your own mm -hmm. to support um, Latina mothers um, in specifically in Huntsville, Alabama, where wow. she was living mm -hmm. by um, not only being a resource to them over the phone for whatever they needed, but delivering supplies to them in hospitals Amazing. and also taking care of them afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like mom had a separate line on her phone just to take calls wow. from Latina women living wow. in this particular area. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I like, I've been curious. It's an incredible adjustment. Because I wanted to do 100% community work mm. because that's my passion mm. since that's pretty much my calling mm. i was really 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 busy um and bonbon was doing the book i was able to i kind of realized that i was a little bit too busy mm. to engage so i decided to start withdrawing from Pull a couple a of things yeah. and then it was a perfect timing because bonbon was doing the the book um, I also was healing yes. from a divorce. Yeah, bon bon, it was it was just absolutely perfect. What not perfect, but you know, sure. just like the timing. It was the timing was yeah. perfect. Um, now bonbons on time. It could be like four days, and I know she's busy, so I don't call. I send text. Text is really easy, and you know and then she call. told me about. <laughs> I know, but she cook. She got this thing called Instagram, and uh -huh. she said like, "Oh, mom, because I can't remember where Bombi's at." So she said, "Oh, mom, put an Instagram. I put stuff in there." So I, you know, I don't use apps, but really, <laughs> but I like. Oh, can see what she's doing. There's where Bombi mm -hmm. is, but Bombi's very good about checking in with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I decided to retire in 20, you know, just, just in March, just to spend more time. You cannot, you cannot turn back time. Sure. But the time that you have, you could make it um, a one memorable. And that's a lessons learned in reference to, to mom in many ways. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think one of the things that I want, I would like the people to kind of recognize about Bombi's book is in many ways is like, oh, mom got sick. I wish we I wish we have done something like this when mm. she was, you know, when we could we could get more wisdom in sure. reference to the recipes and life itself. And anybody that is reading the book could say, you know, let me spend more time with Nana or Gigi or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever they <laughs> call the grandmother. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, or the um, mothers, uh -huh. too. It's yeah. just and, and any other mentor yeah. that they may have. But Bong is really good about, you know, keeping, making sure that I'm okay. Yeah. And I'm still readjusting. So I'm just like, Bomo said, let's go here. I'm going. <laughs> you got <laughs> on the go. plane. You got on the plane. Trying to, you know, it's, it's a very good relationship with both of my daughters. Um, but Bonbon is is uh um is is very wholesome. It's such a in comparison to um how busy we always been pretty much trying to and to supply substance and so forth um, is such a blessing that I'm able to do this now. Absolutely. I consider myself a, a blessed individual in many ways. That's so wonderful. Yeah. I feel like one interesting thing about you guys 
and your closeness now and sort of reflecting on the time you have and, you know, you're doing now with your mother what maybe there wasn't enough time for Mm -hmm. with your grandmother. And one interesting thing is you're getting to know each other as adults. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that because I'm, I think, Vaughn, you and I are close in age Mm -hmm. and we're both close to our mothers. My mother's also newly retired and is the busiest retired Mm -hmm. woman Mm -hmm. I've ever met, maybe, Mm -hmm. except for you. Um, And she and I are getting to know each other as adults. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of it is, you know, speaking honestly about things that happened mm-hmm. when you were younger and being able to talk about it as as two gr- grown-ups. I mean, still very much a parent-child, but as grown-ups. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, it seems from the outside you two navigate this really beautifully. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for other mother-daughters or just parent-children who are, you know, you're in your, you know, 30s or whatever it might be. And, you know, you've gone through your own things and, and you're just figuring it out together. Yeah, advice. You know, I think um, no matter what the circumstances of your life are, we, you know, mom and I, we had we had some really trying times. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, things that are not in this book sure. that are not for, of course, you yeah. know, not for public consumption. Mm-hmm. But we went through some really trying times. And it's really, I think it's really challenging um, as you grow up. Like when you're young, you come up with ways that you deal with what you're experiencing with with the trauma in the moment you know um and what you know a necessary part of moving through um and getting on the other side is to at some point confront it head on um i happen to be a really verbal person and a really vocal person um but i've found that i mean as far as advice um like sometimes i'll call mom mom sometimes i'll call you mm-hmm. and when i'm having a really difficult moment um and sometimes those moments are times when like when i was a teenager or even in my early 20s i would have never called you mm-hmm. to ask you about any of that mm-hmm. stuff true but <laughs> I, i'll you know i'll call you fairly often and be like mom mm-hmm. i'm having a moment this is this is the situation i'm in can you help me figure this out mm-hmm. can you give me some advice and i think that when i was younger i don't know that i could completely hear you because I was always filtering what you were saying through my own point of view. But um, I think it's important to like really listen to what people are, to what your parents are saying, to Mm -hmm. what you are saying and to take from advice, like what, you know, what, what's speaking to you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like I, sometimes I'll call you on a Monday night and ask you about some really intense stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going on in my world or in my head, um, and you always will pick up the phone and and, and talk through it with me, and yeah. I really appreciate. It. But you'll be on the phone sometimes with me for two or three hours. Oh yes, as I'm like sometimes I'll go back and forth in time, you know, because that's just how my mind works. But you know, I think um, like making yourself open for for like whatever the wisdom is mm-hmm. is is really mm-hmm. important. What would you say? What advice do you have? Honesty, mm. I think, um, and trust. That's very important to me. I think some um, adults uh, have the, I don't know, the bad habit. That maybe they're embarrassed about whatever they did, and they're just not honest. And when you cannot change what you don't acknowledge. Mm. And um, I think everybody will appreciate 
if you're just honest with yeah. them and you just this is what happened and this is why it happened um long long time ago i learned a very good lesson i was catholic part-time part-time <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, it's a part-time Catholic, you may say. And in 1998, I have like a life-changing, um, I made a life-changing um, decision uh, about my faith. Mm -hmm. And I got born again, what mm -hmm. is known. And one of the first things that I learned, uh, it was to acknowledge what you have made and ask for. And just, just contact the people that you may You may want to tell them something sure. and you want to be honest with them or ask for forgiveness and so forth. Kind of like cleanser, like a yeah, cleanser, yeah. but it's like like a actually verbally cleanser. And I, that's one of the first things that I did. I wrote a letter to Vaughn and Christina apologizing wow. for what I thought it was like my lack of wisdom, huh. you may say, in many ways. not It was not... It wasn't because I wanted to harm. It was it's lack of wisdom and bad choices that, you know, you could apologize for bad choices because I had quite a few. Hmm. Like so, so yeah. many people. So to Every me. Every human being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I made yeah. a mistake. But I think that made me um, a better person, In I think. And I think it had brought me closer to my daughters. And I don't know if that, that 19, it was. Get out there, mommy. There's a very cute dog yeah. <laughs> coughing something. Like, I want to go out. <laughs> But uh, I think honesty and, 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 and trust yeah. to me. And Vaughn, very few people that I could trust in this world, Vaughn being one of them, mm -hmm. both of my daughters. Mm -hmm. um, I have friends and, of course, my husband that I trust. Yeah. But uh, I think I was sharing that with Vaughn yesterday. To me, one of the most... Everybody have different... Uh, things that they look for and to me is to me is trust mm -hmm. that's very important mm -hmm. because for i grew up without it in in many ways that i will not discuss but you know um anything that we could get out of the interview is that how important it is for especially parents and grandparents to be honest about their experience because you could teach other people about it yeah Like, oh, I'm not that messed up. Other people did it too. No, what you said, you can't yeah. change what you don't acknowledge. Yes, exactly. It's, and that's it's a, huge. So it's healing. Yeah. Because I was, I felt liberated at that point just by writing. It was kind of embarrassing. Freedom. Mm -hmm. And in a while, like, oh my God, but look at Bombi now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? I'm sure you remember receiving that. Oh, letter. I still have it. Yeah, yeah. you have it. Yeah, where do you, I still have it. Where do you keep it? Where does it live now? Um, I think it's in the hope chest that I, I still have. I think it probably have. is in the box of treasures that you yeah, still have Yeah, I still have house. it yeah. until she finally settled yeah. in a like house. some baby clothes. Baby clothes <laughs> and is yes, in Bombi yeah, put it there. The special stuff. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering in the interview in Whetstone, you, Vaughn, asked your mom about um, what what is home for you? Mm -hmm. Where do you feel home? And you, and you said that it's where you feel peace. It wasn't a place. It was like a feeling. Is that still true for you? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And Vaughn, what does home mean for you? Hmm. You know, I think, Mom, when I'm your age, I think I'll have a. I think I'll know better. I think mm -hmm. I'm still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. um, I've had so a word in process. Yeah, yeah, I think I've had the tremendous, like, benefit 
gift, blessing in life of having lived in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. um, I was a military kid, and so I lived all over Georgia. I, you know, lived in a, in Atlanta. I've lived in Oakland. I now live in Brooklyn. I've traveled all over the mm -hmm. world. Um, what's you know, what's interesting to me is everywhere I go. I almost everywhere I've ever been, I have a moment where I'm like, oh, I could live here. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm trying to figure out what that combination is for mm -hmm. me. Um, water, sunlight, green things, and good food. Those are your yeah like, checklist. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that that's you yeah. know that and like somewhere for my dog to run around. But um, you know, I think that that's I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm getting there. Getting home. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. So wonderful. Thank you both so much. Good. I have one final question that sure. I just love to ask everyone, sure. which is, um, and for each of you, I'm so curious, what what was your favorite thing to eat when you were growing up? Mm. First thing that comes to mind. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> First thing that comes to mind. Pan so well. And what, can you describe that? Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it still exists. Is uh, is a bread from? It looked like a. a it's not even. It a, looks like a, French bread. It's like French bread, but it's, it's really soft. Okay. And um, go to a bakery when mm -hmm. it's just warm from the oven. Mm -hmm. It's fairly big, and we just eat it mm -hmm. without. Would you not put butter? It tastes better. We just <laughs> eat the bread. Yeah. It's kind of sweet. Yes, I love pan sobao. Mm. Yes, yes, this is a kind of um, Puerto Ricans <laughs> have like a few different. Puerto Ricans love good bread, mm -hmm. and which is a thing that yeah. you don't hear a lot about. Yeah. But there are a few different kinds of fresh-made bread that you'll find in any bakery across the island. Um, and what and mom, what you're describing is that it has like a slightly sweet crust, mm -hmm. not like a Hawaiian uh -huh. roll, but like leaning Hawaiian okay. roll in in like essence. Yeah, and then the inside is like super pillowy yeah. and soft. Oh yes, like, and mom, sounds like a good cloud. Mom makes sofrito, like she makes. Sofrito from scratch all the time. Uh -huh. It's amazing. And she put a little bit of ham mm. that I guess the sell I guess the sell They call it jamón de cocina. It's like, como like it's like a smoked ham. So, okay. Yes. Yeah. And we used to eat the sofrito with the bread. Then she had to make more sofrito. <laughs> it was so good. Mm. That sounds yes. great. What about Yvonne? Is it for me? Oh, geez. First things that comes to mind. <laughs> Oh, I love to eat so many things. As a kid, you know, this is like not that interesting, but a just really perfect, simple chicken soup. Mm -hmm. It's my same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Still to yeah. this day. I mean, I'm like, I'm such a, I'm, I could eat soup literally every, have you ever met someone who doesn't like soup? I don't trust What them. is that? <laughs> it's like That's someone like, who doesn't like dogs. I'm someone like, like doesn't like air. You're it's entitled, soup. but I don't know that we can be friends. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, it's so interesting, like how you evolve as a cook over the years, but I was, oh, I always loved soup. My grandma, my grandmother, my mother would make me soup. And now, I mean, still to this day, I'd just give me a whole chicken in a big old pot yep. and I'll, I'll just hook it up. Yeah. I knew yeah. we were friends but <laughs> well, it. we also have um complimentary favorite foods so for sure you bring the bread i'll make this yeah soup. there yeah. you go perfect <laughs> thank you both so much it's so kind of you to share just your relationship and your time and i really appreciate it oh, thanks for coming and talking yeah. with us Before we get into our listeners' questions, a quick word about OXO, who helped make this episode possible. 
Why do I have so many OXO tools in my kitchen? Because I trust them and they're reliable. They help my work as a cookbook author be dependable and accurate, and they help my time as a home cook feel much more relaxed. I appreciate OXO's commitment to make every day better, every day. They approach their tools just like I approach my recipes. They notice things and solve problems and see opportunities to improve the process all of the time. Like their angled measuring cups, they allow you to see how much is in them even while they're sitting on your counter, which is so useful. Thanks, OXO, for supporting Keep Calm and Cook On. Want to check out OXO's products? Just head over to OXO.com. That's O-X-O.com. And now for some listeners' questions. If you have a question for me, you can uh, ask me via DM on Instagram. My handle is Tertian, which is my last name, which is T-U-R-S-H-E-N. Or you can send an email to keepcomandcookonpodcast at gmail.com. And I am super happy because my wife, Grace, is sitting next to me. And she has agreed to ask the questions today. So, Grace, first question. All right, Julia. Your first question is from Martine Joel, who would like to know, so randomly... How do I make the green beans blister instead of steam? Because Martine's wok is hot and ready to go. So that is really important. So that's step one. Two is to really be patient. Um, Things take a while to brown, especially at home. If you're not, you know, in a professional kitchen on a professional stove with tons of power, like you might see, you know, in a restaurant kitchen that has a big wok, you need to let it take time. And I would say don't crowd your pan because then they will steam which isn't the worst thing, but if you're looking for more browning, just don't crowd them, give them space. And also don't be afraid to use more fat than you probably think you need. Fat helps things brown and it gives it flavor. So fat, don't crowd them, be patient. Your next question comes from Little Gray Heart, who would like to know, is there a good way to tell if a recipe can be made in advance? If it's anything that's really slow or long cooked, those things that take a while to cook can almost always be made in advance. And I'm thinking about things like soups and stews and braises and things like brisket and pulled pork and anything that takes a really long time to cook kind of just by its nature has to be made in advance. So that is one good way is just the time. And also keep in mind that parts of recipes can be made in advance. So, you know, if something has to be served really like crispy and last minute, there's probably part of that recipe that can be done ahead. Or, you know, if it's like a really delicate salad that, you know, you don't want to dress ahead of time, you can still make the dressing ahead of time. So keep in mind a lot of prep work can be done ahead. But in general, I think things that take a long time to cook can absolutely be made ahead. Kaczynski would like to know, what do you think is the most meaningful way we can impact the world through food? There are so many answers to that question, and I think the key is finding the answer that you can do consistently. And for me, that's paying attention to where I buy my food and very much about paying attention to who I share my meals with and what the conversations are that uh, we have around it. But yeah, there's millions of ways. And if you'd like, there's lists in the back of um, Now and Again and Small Victories and Feed the Resistance that are just tons of ideas for ways to kind of make an impact through food. So I appreciate that question. Sarah Lazinski would like to know, do you have any tricks to know which spices go well together? I get overwhelmed, but I love flavor. Spices can feel a little bit intimidating if you're not familiar with them. And I think one thing is really to pick up a cookbook that talks about spices and really get to know them through an author who knows a lot. Uh, The person I'm thinking of is my friend Nick Sharma and his book Season. It's all about seasoning. (laughs) Um, 
And there's beautiful, beautiful photographs of spices and descriptions, and then recipes to really make stuff with them. So it's not just learning about them, it's learning how to use them. So that's a great thing. And I think also keep in mind a phrase that's used a lot in the wine world, which is what grows together goes together. Uh, So thinking about where spices come from and how they're used in the cooking from that place can be really helpful. Today's final question is from Catherine Linton, who would like to know about herbs. Catherine says, my herbs get so wilty so quick, even when I put them in water. Help, please. So the way I store them is I take a paper towel that's like barely damp, like run under the tap, squeeze it dry. And then I put my herbs in that and kind of wrap them up, put them in like a Ziploc and uh, put them in the fridge. And they stay really well that way. And I also think just keep in mind, if your herbs get wilty, it's not the end of the world. You can still do a lot with them. And it's that's a great excuse to make pesto or to make a beautiful like green goddess, um, make salsa verde. Any of these things where herbs are going to get kind of chopped up and wilted anyway, just lean into that. So don't throw your wilty herbs away. They're still perfectly good. And thank you for that question. And thank you, Grace, for asking the questions. Appreciate your time. And if you have a question for me that you would like to hear Grace read out loud, uh, you can DM me on Instagram at Tertian, T-U-R-S-H-E-N. You can also email me at keepcomandcookonpodcast at gmail.com. One word, no punctuation. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for listening to Keep Calm and Cook On. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review the show. It really makes a difference to help others find it. Also, tell a friend or a family member. Text your mom or your cousin or your old roommate. Let them know. Also, if you have a cooking question that you'd like to hear me answer, just drop an email to keepcomandcookonpodcast at gmail.com. One word, no punctuation. That's keepcomandcookonpodcast at gmail.com. For more information about me and the show, head over to juliatertian.com. Everything about my work is there, and if you click on Keep Calm and Cook On, you'll find everything about the show. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Tertian, which is just my last name. Thanks again to OXO for making this episode possible. OXO makes many of the kitchen tools I trust the most. To find out more about OXO and their products, head over to oxo.com. That's O-X-O dot And a quick shout out to an organization that I feel is using food to move us all forward in a positive direction. Today, I want to mention Food Lab Detroit, which is a diverse group of locally owned food businesses, caterers, bakers, picklers, distributors, corner stores, cafes. They all support each other in the process of growing and improving their individual businesses, and they're committed to taking active steps together towards a more delicious, healthy, fair, and green food economy in Detroit. Food Lab really inspires me to think about the power of the collective and of community and what we as individuals can do when we really lift each other up. Check them out at foodlabdetroit.com and check out some of my favorite people ever who are involved with it. Davida Davison, who runs it, April Anderson, who's a baker and a member. There's just awesome, awesome people who are involved. So yeah, foodlabdetroit.com. Thanks again for listening to Keep Calm and Cook On. Catch you next time.